It's the 150th episode of Lockdown Wolverines. That's shocking to me in a way uh, that we're already 150 episodes in. Uh, we're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire the USA Today Sports Media Group. Today is Thursday, so we, it, are, it is our mailbag day. Wow, I couldn't get through that. Um, so going to take your Michigan questions. We're not going to be able to get to all of them. I'm going to do my best, though. we got a ton here. We opened it up to Facebook a little bit. Um, uh, so first off, apologies to the people who we do not get to. Um, if I don't get to all of them, I'll try to answer them at the top of Friday's show. Uh, we'll see what we can do here today. We're going to try to be a little bit more rapid fire, I think, than we normally are. So uh, definitely going to be heavier in the back end of this show for that reason. So let's just get into it, starting with our leaders and best. James Crudup at James Crudup 6. I've heard that the schedule is easy this year from some, and it's grueling from others. What are your thoughts? Uh, for me, it's it's interesting because it's, in a way, it's no harder than last year. Uh, well, maybe a little bit harder because you got Army in there, you know. So you got two really strong non-conference games. But you get all of your tough games really at home uh, because you've got Wisconsin and Penn State. Uh, on the road, I don't know what Wisconsin's going to be. Alex Hornerbrook has transferred out. Uh, same thing with Penn State. Time, you know, Tommy Stevens is looking to transfer out. So um, there's a lot of questions as to what those teams will be. But you get Michigan State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Army. All of those games are at home. So I think that to that degree, it's it's still difficult because you got some tough teams to play, but I mean, I still think that the floor is nine wins. The ceiling is obviously undefeated, but we haven't seen that happen in, you know, 22 years. So I'm not going to say it's easy because it's a tough schedule and, but it sets up kind of nicely as kind of a crescendo with the exception of, you know, you get army in week two. That's going to be a difficult one because I mean, they took Oklahoma to overtime last year. But uh, I, th- I think that Michigan still has the talent to win as long as they can be, as long as they're able to stop them and the offense can move the ball. I mean, it's not that simple. Triple option is always hard to defend, but it it's still a difficult schedule. It's you don't have the three game gauntlet like you did last year in that same sense. But I still feel kind of like okay, it. It's hard, but at least you got home field advantage. That hasn't always mattered for Michigan, especially against Michigan State. Since Harbaugh's arrived, the the road team has won each of those games. But at the same time, you 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 know you have the the familiarity, the comfortability of not having to travel, all of that kind of stuff. I think it's going to be a difficult schedule. But you know what? Michigan's always going to have a difficult schedule because of the teams it plays. It's just how it is. Iowa's no slouch either. Uh. So obviously they lose their tight ends. Nate Stanley, though, is a heck of a quarterback. So, uh, you know, there, there are some tough games in there. Indiana on the road, we've seen how that's played out a couple times. You know, last last two times it's been overtime. So it's a, it's a hard schedule, but it's not the hardest schedule. It's just it's good that you got most of the teams that you'd rather have at home at home. So uh, George DiGiglio, uh do you think moving Giles Zaner still to offense has more to do with the team not seeing them as viable cornerbacks or because they want more speed on offense? Also, do you think Michigan can match up with the country's top teams athletically on both sides of the ball? And I'll answer the last one first. Yes, I do. Michigan does have that type of speed 
Um, no, it did not look good in the Ohio State game. But, yeah, they got speed all over the field. I mean, you've got four-star guys pretty, pretty much across the board. Uh, you got Daxton Hill coming in as a five-star guy. I think it's expected that he'll probably end up winning a starting job, but it's too early to tell. But when you have a five-star guy, he's kind of like a first-round NFL draft pick. You accept, expect him to be a starter uh, when they when he comes in. Hasn't always worked out that way, obviously. Like Rashawn Gary, Jabril Peppers, their first years uh, as five-stars weren't the instantaneous starters. But uh, nonetheless, you, you hope that uh, Daxton can be that guy. But, I mean, yeah, they I, th- I do think when you look front to back, uh, you know, you've got guys that are big and fast up front. You know, Don Brown said Quiddy Pay is, in his eyes, technically, from a technical standpoint, the best football player in America. You've got guy like Aiden Hutchinson. I think you're pretty stalwart in the middle. I think guys like Michael Dwumfor and Carlo Kemp are very, very good. Donovan Jeter was a four-star guy in the middle. Uh, guys like Cam McGrone, you said, you know, Don Brown said he's playing really fast now. He's I've seen his speed when he knew, knows what he's doing. Um, I know people dog on Devin Gill, but I think, you know, there could be a little bit of a tentativeness for just having it been his first year to really get his feet wet last year. He played a little bit the year before, but not to the degree of what he played last year. So uh, obviously, Kaleek Hudson's really fast. And then you look at the the back, the back end. I think you're faster at safety this year than you were before. I think you might be as, you know, you're as fast, maybe even faster at corner. That's kind of crazy to say, take out David Long, but Ambry Thomas is extremely fast. So I think on defense, yes, absolutely. You've got the speed and offense. I think it's the same Donovan Peoples Jones, Nico Collins, Tariq black, all uh, Nico's not exactly a burner. I don't think, but I mean, he's got the size advantage and I think that he knows what to do to get open. We've seen that last year uh, at running back guys like Christian Turner uh, is very fast. We saw that, you know, for a glimpse in the bowl game, unfortunately stepped his toe out of bounds. Uh, and I think that you've got really athletic linemen. They're running this zone uh, zone blocking schemes, and you usually need pretty good athleticism there to do that. As far as Giles and Sane were still the offense, uh, they were both recruited to Michigan as wideouts. They were not recruited. Giles is was is an all-purpose back type that's expected to be a receiver. Sane still was a corner as a Virginia Tech commitment, but he was recruited to Michigan to be a an offensive player. So no, I don't. I don't think it's that they don't see them as not viable cornerbacks. They recruited them to Michigan to be uh, wideouts or offensive weapons more so. Uh, AJ Catharopoulos, uh, Catharopoulos rather. Uh, sorry for asking this if you already have, but way too early 2019 re- uh, football record prediction. Do you think that they'll beat the Poison Nuts? Um, I've every year I say that Michigan. I'm not going to predict that Michigan will beat Ohio State, and then when we get to the week of the game, I end up predicting it. That's happened every single year, I believe. Well, no, it didn't happen in 2017. 2017, I predicted Michigan to lose in a big one, and then it didn't go that way. But uh, 2015, 2016, and 2018, I predicted Michigan to win, even though I said I think all three years that I going into it, I wasn't going to make that type of prediction, and then I did. So. I am not going to do that this time around. I think Ohio State is going to be on the ropes for the sake of all of the changes that have happened in Columbus. I think that you remove an Urban Meyer. I don't care. I don't think that Ryan, let me put it this way. I don't think Ryan Day is Lincoln Riley. He he might end up being that, but like we saw it in glimpses in Columbus with Ryan Day there, whereas like Lincoln Riley, I felt like had a little bit more of a track record and had a little bit more talent to work with. 
overall. And that's not saying that Ohio State doesn't have talent because Ohio State is loaded, but it's untapped talent. And with Urban, it was like, okay, they they just lost half their defense and half their offense, but they can reload. I think that that will somewhat be the case, but I, I, I have to see it before I fully believe it. Because when you make wholesale changes like they just did, when you bring in a Greg Madison to be your defensive coordinator, I don't know, like, does it rise? Does it stay the same or does it get worse? I just don't know. And I don't want to sit there and say that I do. Um, as far as 2019 football record prediction, I'm going to go 11-1. and one. Uh, I think I think they have all the pieces in place to beat all the teams on their schedule. As of right now, if everyone's healthy, I think they have the offense being able to step up to the plate. The defense, I still think, will be a top 25 defense. I think that that spells that they'll play really well for most of the year. They might start out looking a little shaky against, you know, the first two, you know, the first two weeks. But I think by the time that they get to that Wisconsin game in week four, I think that they'll be rolling. Uh, and I think that, they, that they'll be able to beat Notre Dame uh, at home uh, just by virtue of I thought they looked pretty even last year. And uh, it just didn't uh, go Michigan's way because they got burned early. Yeah, sure, Notre Dame kind of took its foot off the gas a little bit, but a lot of that had to do with the Michigan defense. I think that, uh, you know, Ian Book's a different quarterback than Brandon Wimbush, but I still like Michigan's ability to win that game late in the season at home. If that was on the road, I'd probably pick Notre Dame, but it's at home, so going with that. All right, we are going to move on to the next uh, the next segment here. So do you have a smartphone with a voice assistant or even better, one of those smart speakers like an Amazon Echo, Google Home, or Apple HomePod, or do you have that type of capability in your car? Well, if you do, just tell your voice assistant to play Lockdown Wolverines and go from there. With a new episode every weekday, it's as simple as that to stay connected, and you can do it with the help from the technology right in your car, your home, or even your hand. Remember, play Lockdown Wolverines. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Segment two is going to be a little bit shorter just because I have uh, a bunch of questions bunched together because a lot of people asked kind of the same question. Uh, Then we're going to get to the real meat of everything in segment three. So let's just continue on. Uh, these are all with the exception of one are all from Facebook. So the first time I've opened it up to our uh, Wolverines wire Facebook page, I'm going to continue doing that. If you have questions, uh, making sure that, uh, people have, uh, are able to ask questions there. I don't know why I didn't do it before, but it's uh, a viable option, but that's also why we, uh, we have a jam packed show starting with Charles Mulholland. Recruiting has been a little bit slow and or quiet as of late. Do you have any info, inside intel that you have not shared? Uh, not particularly. I know there's a couple. Um, I've left a lot of that to Evan Petzold, my recruiting writer so far in this season. I've touched base a little bit, but I don't. I know of a couple guys that I think that will probably end up. Uh, that I'm not, not going to say probably end up Wolverines. I think that 
let me put it this way. There's a couple guys that I think could end up Wolverines. Things are looking really good for, but this it's definitely not over, especially because there's some top schools involved. And we've posted on some of those guys, guys like Noah Nelson from Arizona. I think that he's a guy that, that looks good for Michigan. He's deciding before his senior year. Theo Johnson, the uh, tight end out of Windsor, I think he looks good for Michigan uh, as well. But he's got a tons of you know a ton of schools in his ear. Uh, I you know same deal Malik Carr. That's gonna go a long way. I think. I I think that uh, Michigan probably did a really good job with Jordan Morant, the the four star uh, safety out of New Jersey. I think that they look really good for him. I think that Michigan's in better position for Justin Rogers than people think. Not saying that Michigan ends up getting him, but I think that the uh, the Gaddis hires played a big deal for him. Uh, so I think that that's where uh, you're going to see start seeing some of that Josh Gaddis effect. But otherwise, I mean, there's a uh, I don't I, I I it's a little bit it is a little bit quieter in my opinion in the sense that you don't have the same kind of clamoring as you had in the last class. It kind of feels like Michigan does an every other year type deal. I still think this will end up being a, a really good class once everything is said and done, but it's it doesn't have the same kind of start that the 2019 class had, of course. Uh, but I think they're in good position. That's all I can think of off the top of my head, but I don't have anything that's like real. This time last year, I definitely had some stuff that was like, oh, okay. Obviously, the uh, a lot of the Zach Harrison stuff, they were in good position with a lot of those other guys that they ended up signing and, and whatnot, but uh, I, I don't really think that they're necessarily – there's any kind of like big crazy stories like that going on right now. That's just what I think. Uh, Gene Nemitz asks, is Cade McNamara looking better in practice than Joe Milton? Uh, I mean, not that I've heard, uh, that's not saying anything necessarily, but I mean, as far as I've heard, Joe's looked really solid that it's the depth chart is what, you know, it is Shea Patterson, then Dylan McCaffrey, then Joe Milton, uh, Cade will, barring extreme circumstances will uh, redshirt this year, meaning he might get some time in some of those uh, four games, but I expect that you'll see a lot more Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton. Uh, and only if they can get into really good blowout situations, would you see Cade come in maybe for a final series in four games. But other than that, I, as far as I've heard, Joe's looked pretty good. Uh, but uh, I, I haven't heard, let me just put it this way. I haven't heard anything otherwise to suggest anything different. But I've heard that, you know, Joe's Joe's done a really good part, and I think you saw that in the spring game, too. He looked pretty crisp in the spring game, from what I could tell. All right, uh, the next uh, three here are all very similar. Uh, I'll read all of them and then answer. Fusho K. Teria, uh, what's the status of Chris Evans, and are they going to be looking at that running back from Clemson, uh, the transfer uh, Tavian, as in Tavian Feaster? He would be a big addition to our running back core, plus he could play right away. Dewan uh, Gwess, any word on how Chris Evans is progressing as far as him being able to get back on the field fall or before? And Jeff McDonald asked on Twitter, uh, any word on Chris Evans' appeal? If I remember correctly from the article on him, it said he'd be eligible by, in May if he's won his appeal. As far as I know, there's just been no there, – there, he hasn't had that hearing. Um, if I remember correctly – I don't, I don't remember having to be present for my hearing, but I, like I had to have the similar type of hearing, uh, because as I've said on the show before, I dropped out of school, but I didn't drop any of my classes. So my grade point average went from like a, uh, I think it was, it was pretty low to begin with. Cause I just did not care when I went to college initially, it was like 2.3 and then it dropped all the way down to like a one. And, uh, I was on academic probation and I, in order to come back, I had to have an at first an academic hearing 
Uh, I got two of my three or three or my four, I don't remember, uh, professors. I was able to get them to say, hey, he didn't come to class, you know, so it wasn't like he, you know, he just wasn't existent, so you might as well have dropped, but I couldn't find the other one. So I ended up having to go to community college. So with that in mind, uh, I know that he has to he has to face that academic board, uh, which is uh, a board of his peers as well as academic advisors. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't believe I had to appear in front of them directly, but I got uh, I remember I remember getting the email because they had to meet again after I went to. Uh, finished a semester at uh, Oakland Community College, and I remember getting the email saying that the board had met and I was approved. I just don't believe they've done that yet, and I believe that, I mean, the semester is just now ending. So it's, uh, I believe that will happen after that. Uh, as far as Tavian Feaster is concerned, I, 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 I'll I have to check in on that. As, as far as I know, I don't know that they'd be looking for another running back. They have a ton. It's just that you've got Chris Evans that is currently sidelined. They believe very highly in Christian Turner. Zach Charbonnet will be back. They really like True Wilson. I just don't think that they're going to mess with the chemistry of what they already have. I know it looked really dire in the spring, but that's because you just had a bunch of, you know, you had basically your full group of people, Hassan Haskins included, incapable of going. But imagine if all of them are back and healthy, and Chris Evans included. I don't know that you add another piece to that because I think that they have a guy in Christian Turner and another in Zach Charbonnet that will be game changers. And we already know what Chris Evans is capable of. And I think that they're, you know, he could take it to another level. We just haven't seen it yet. So that hopefully answers that. Uh, Mark Carmen to finish out this segment before we move on to, I think there's like 10 in this next one. Uh, ask three questions. Will we finally beat the team down South Two: Will we finally win the big 10 three? Will we get our hearts broken again? Um, I already answered the first one saying I'm not going to predict it until it actually happens. I do think that Michigan will win the Big Ten regardless because I just think that they'll be in the position uh, unlike that they unlike what they were last year. Like Obviously, if Ohio State would have lost to Maryland, uh, then it didn't matter what happened in the game. Michigan would have been uh, a lock for the Big Ten East. They did win the co-Big Ten East championship. I think that they have a strong enough team this year to win the Big Ten. And, I again, questions with Ohio State, especially if Justin Fields goes down. You're looking at Chris Chuganov as your, your second guy. Um, and plus, I just, with Justin Fields, I still just don't, I, I'm not going to buy into it until I see it. I know I said that last year with Dwayne Haskins, and then we saw what Dwayne Haskins can do. But it's, you know, just like with Shea Patterson, it's hard to, it was hard to sit there and say what he was going to come in and do. And I think Shea has all the talent in the world. I think he is a lot better than a lot of Michigan fans give him credit for, but he wasn't asked to do a lot of the types of things that he's capable of doing. I think you'll see it this year. But with Justin Fields, we've seen Ryan Day run more of a drop-back passing type game, and you have a dual-threat type guy, but you also have a dual-threat type guy that has no depth behind him. So I'm not really sure how that offense is going to run, plus you lose – uh, Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell. You lost Mike Weber, although J.K. Dobbins is extremely good. You lose uh, some of your really good offensive linemen uh, like Michael Jordan. Uh, so I, I I just think that they have a lot offensively that there's question marks with. And then on defense, I think they'll be better just by, you know, by virtue of it, it's hard not to be better than they were. But, I mean, you lose 
uh, Draymond Jones, but you've got Chase Young back. You've got some stuff like that at Ohio State that I think really helps them out. But that said, it's still a tough schedule for them as well. They have to come on the road to Michigan. Uh, they still have to play, uh, I, I think, a Maryland team that's going to be really good. They have to play a. Uh, they have to play Michigan State still. Uh, Penn State, even though I'm down on on Michigan State and Penn State, I still think those are tough games, regardless, no matter who you are. And with a kind of change in philosophy, maybe they they have a misstep here or there. They always seem to have a misstep, regardless, even when it was with Urban Meyer. So. All right, remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Lockdown Wolverines on the brand-new Himalaya podcast app and an ever-expanding podcast world. You need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Wolverines. All right, we've got about eight minutes to get through. Let's see. Looks like uh, about eight questions. More than that. Okay. We're just going to try to rock and roll through this as much as I possibly can. Uh, Again, apologies if I don't get to everything. And uh, I didn't even get every question thrown in here that was asked, unfortunately, because there's so many. So Colby Murray asks, uh, realistic expectations for Michigan football this season. There seems to be a ton of hype. Just uh, not totally sure if I should buy 100% in. Like I said, I think that the floor is nine wins. Um which again, I know that you want to see something better than a nine and four, 10 and three season, but at least you're finally to that point. I think that this is the hardest part to get over, to get over that hump beyond 10 wins, to get to 11, 12 wins. That's the hardest part, but I think you have the pieces to do it. My questions still remain on the defensive side of the ball. I, I, Get how optimistic Don Brown is about everything, defensive line, linebackers, and everything. But it's when you have so many key guys gone, I still have to see it to believe it. I mean, I think you should buy in that it's still going to be a really good team and that they're going to beat the teams that they're supposed to. I think that that's, I think that's where you can feel confident. Michigan probably shouldn't lose to Iowa. I know Iowa's probably a pretty good team, but Michigan still should not lose to them. Right, Michigan shouldn't lose to Indiana. Not, not that they have in a very, very long time. In that same light, Michigan should not lose to Wisconsin or Penn State. But those games are on the road. One's going to be a whiteout. It, I just think Michigan is finally to that point that they are going to win the games they're supposed to, and the rivalry games are the ones that are going to be a little bit more of wild cards. So that's where I'm at with that. Jay Ride at Melvin Marshall Jr. Will McGrone or Gill start at linebacker? It's going to be Devin Gill, uh, barring something unexpected, I would believe, but I think you're going to see a platoon there the same way that you saw with Gill and Ross. Uh, Devin Gill, from all accounts of what I've heard, has taken a big step forward, but what that means, I'm not sure until we see it in practice. Cam McGrone is, like I've said on the show a million times over, is a talent that I am super excited about. I think he's got... Uh, star potential written all over him. It's just a matter of him uh, getting out there and doing it. He was injured to begin the season last year, so he kind of was uh, a little bit behind the eight ball. But as Don Brown said, he's playing faster because now he knows what he's supposed to be doing. This is around the time that you start to see linebackers really come on and turn on and everything like that. So I think that uh, you're going to see probably both, but I think Gil gets the nod just like he did last year. KY at K Allen 1729. With Shea coming back this year, uh, you have McCaffrey waiting, Milton behind both, then Cade coming in. Do you see one of them transferring out due to depth? How does this affect recruits coming in knowing the logjam? Um, I don't really want to predict 
that. I haven't heard anything to suggest that any will will transfer or anything. But I mean, if you're in a quality, you know, what I would call a quality problem situation, in that you do have so much talent, you can lose one, and it might be disappointing. But at least you know you have all these other guys behind them. Uh, you know, McCaffrey knows his time is coming. Milton knows his time is coming. Cade knows his time is coming. So it's just a matter of them buying in and doing their role as best they can. Because honestly, I think what the goal would be this year is to try to do kind of like they did in 2016 with, uh, with O'Corn and try to get him in as, you know, they could try to get him in as much as possible in the second half. Um, who was the other guy? There was another, because it wasn't Peters because Peters didn't get to show out until 2017. But I feel like there was, there was another quarterback in there that I'm just not thinking of that. Oh, Alex, was it Alex Malzone? No, Malzone didn't get in until 2017 either. Um, Shane, that's right. Shane Morris, Shane Morris got to come in uh, a bit in, uh, and I think that's kind of what they're going to hope to do is have an offense that's potent enough that. Shea plays the first half, McCaffrey starts the second and uh, second half, and Milton comes in for the fourth quarter so that they all get their opportunities to come in and, and show what they can do and hope that that's enough to kind of keep them satiated uh, until uh, their time actually comes. Plus, it's valuable game experience. doesn't matter what quarter it's in. It's still getting to go up against another team that's throwing a different look at you than what you're used to in practice. Alex at REI Vegas or at Alex underscore REI Vegas was the status of Donovan Peoples Jones. Um, uh, we'll find out. I mean, nothing new to report. I just know he's still got that lingering injury, as Harbaugh said. I, th- I think that that's one of those things that we're not going to really know much about until fall. And uh, it's a, it's from everything I heard, it's a linger, like Harbaugh said, it's a lingering injury. And uh, the hope is that he'll be able to return. And from what I've heard, it's going to be, you know, if it doesn't fully heal his injury, you know, there's always that possibility that, uh, that he just is like, all right, I'm just going to play through the pain. It's not anything from structural from what I've heard, but it's just some lingering pain. That's all I know there. Uh, Michael McClendon asks, do you think with the hype of Sanders still and Giles Jackson coming in, George Johnson will remain on offense or move to defense? Uh, there's definitely a, especially cause there doesn't feel like there's a ton of corners. I mean, I could see that happening, uh, just by the virtue of what they did with, uh, with Michael Barrett, uh, guy that was considered an offensive weapon, same kind of deal, quarterback, uh, kind of unheralded, but has all the speed in the world, has all kinds of talent. I mean, I think that they probably want to try to keep him on offense, but I could see them easily moving him to defense, especially because you do have, you know, those two that you just mentioned coming in, not to mention Cornelius Johnson. But at the same time, remember, there's a strong possibility you lose three of your top wide receivers after this year to early entries in the NFL draft with Nico, Donovan, and Tariq if the year goes as planned for all three. Uh, does that happen? I don't know. But uh, I, I'd i imagine they want to have a contingency there. But, I mean, they still got a lot of guys that can play Oliver Martin, Nate Shanley, uh, who I think people are really sleeping on. Ronnie Bell, who gets constantly slept on, even though we saw what he did in the spring game. So a lot of talent there, but yeah, there's a lot of lot of <laughs> a lot of talent there, and there's a lot of talent there. So it's kind of what I'm saying. Uh rookie at H Warchant asks, I have been given the option to get two tickets to a home game this year. Your opinion on which game to attend, Ohio State or Notre Dame? Always Ohio State. Even if they lose, it's that's a different deal. And you have to be there to witness it. I have been to, ooh, let's see, 
because I've been to the last four Ohio State games, and then I went to two as a fan. So I've been to six Michigan-Ohio State games. Unfortunately, I've never seen a win. Uh, two as a student, and uh, or you know, one as a student, one after being a you know after I was a student, and then uh, and then the four working. But definitely Ohio State. Notre Dame's a fun game, but it's not the same. It's it's just not. Uh, Jimmy Whitner uh, asks, what football game are you looking forward to most this year? Hmm. I mean, Ohio State for obvious reasons, but I mean, I think the the great equalizer is that Notre Dame game kind of late. Um, I want it to be Michigan State, though. I really do because, like, but that's just such a, like, a, a game where it's, I, sh- I say looking forward to, but once that week arrives, I'm like, let's get this over with because of everything that surrounds that game. I also don't like the thing about the Ohio state game is the last game of the season. So it's kind of like I'm looking forward to it, but you know, the regular season is done after that. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to reverse course and I'm going to say actually at Penn state because it's a whiteout and that is a different beast. And that, that was the best atmosphere of a college football game I have ever been to was the 2017 game. Michigan got their, you know, what's kicked, but that game was enjoyable to be at from a, I am here at this giant event type feeling that it was impossible to deny. I still watch uh, some of the clips on my Snapchat memories that I have of them, you know, chanting, we are Penn state. And it gives me, gives me chills, gives me goosebumps. It was absolutely incredible. So that's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. Um, all right. Jimbo asked with the clear success of saying we're still in the slot. Do you think we would see Giles Jackson utilized as more of a all purpose back to create matchup problems like McCall at uh, DeMario McCall, at Ohio state, uh, yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility because I think they're going to want to get him onto the field. I think that both have that type of talent, and it's one of those things where Sanders still is clearly going to play. I think that they're going to want Giles Jackson to play, and I think that he does give that option to do multiple things and hashtag speed and space because he can be a guy that carries the ball. He can be a guy that takes that drop-off pass or dump-off pass rather uh, underneath there's so many options for him, and that's really, really exciting The what he is potentially capable of. I am over time, but I'm going to I'm gonna answer this last one. Audible show asks thoughts on Michigan football and basketball being mentioned in the Bleacher Report article on player-slash-booster corruption. My thoughts are it's not a good look, but it doesn't sound like it has anything to do with the university itself. It was a financial advisor giving guys cash to sign which is still illegal and it's not a good look. Don't think I'm not minimizing it, but it doesn't sound like there's any culpability for the program because he's, it wasn't for them to go to Michigan. It was for them to sign with him once they left school. And we just don't know enough. It's again, not a good look, not the type of thing you want to hear, especially at a place like Michigan. I've mentioned what John Falk said before about, you know, it wouldn't happen if, you know, wouldn't happen here. And if it did, it wouldn't be for long. Uh, clearly there, there's a possibility that it did happen here. Uh, but, uh, we just don't know enough yet. Once, uh, once some names get named, once this trial continues on, we'll know more and I'll have better thoughts as to what is actually happening. Not to minimize it. That's just, I I'm not a rush to judgment type of person in general. All right. That's all the time we got. So for the lockdown Wolverines podcast, I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah hole. You can find me online at Isaiah hole. 
Follow the podcast at On Wolverines or Wolverines Wire at Wolverines Wire. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the show, please email me at LockedOnWolverines at gmail.com. You can find us on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or online at WolverinesWire.usatoday.com, where we post our daily podcasts every single day to go along with the rest of your Michigan football coverage. This was Lockdown Wolverines, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.